0: This has been a, I'll just be honest with you, this has been a real sweet time for me, I hope for many of you as well, the past few weeks with this church, just the the candlelight service that we had, um, sweet moments like the one we just enjoyed, walking through this together with you. There's no other place I'd rather be than with my earthly family and my church family together, worshiping our risen Lord. Amen. Well, what we've been doing the past few weeks, I took a little bit of a different approach to the Christmas season. We've been walking through the third chapter of Mark, verse by verse. And I've been trying to draw our attention to the mission of Jesus Christ. The reason why is this. Today we're celebrating this beautiful baby laid in a manger. But why is the baby there? Why did Jesus come? I think we can just real quickly give one, one or two sentence answers about that, but we don't stop and think, why in the world did Jesus come? And one of the reasons that we're going to focus on today, as you see the title of the message is Focusing on the Family of God, we're going to talk about how it is that with Jesus coming, God becoming a human being, He's offering you an amazing invitation that we almost never talk about, He's offering you the invitation of joining the family of God. And I think family is a pretty important thing to talk about on Christmas, for better or for worse, right? All right, Christmas is a time that we, we, we sit around the table with those whom we love and we either make a commitment to say, you know what, we, gotta get, we got we to get together more often, or we remind ourselves, now I know why I have not gotten together with you more often. <laughs> uh, we struggle with that, right, because we're human, we're sinful, and, and uh, we have a lot of Christmas traditions that we try to hold on to. We have some that we're happy to let go of. All right, family is really important, but it's rare that on Christmas you ever hear people talk about what it means to be a part of the family of God, and that's really what I want to talk about here this morning. So as I like to do pretty much every week, I'd like to give us something to think about to kind of prime the pump for your heart and your mind as we get ready to walk into Mark chapter 3. And so here's what I'd like us to think about in one sentence. I'd say, what are some qualities or characteristics that your family is best known for in this community? Stop and think about that. When when people see your family name, let's say they're in the in Lake Church Cemetery and they see a, a you know a, a gravestone with your name on it, what's one of the first things that comes to their mind? Here's a couple that I've written down. Okay, maybe this fits you, and and uh, maybe maybe there's more than one of these that fit you. Okay, some people know your family name for athletics. You and your children have excelled on the sports field. Some of you may be known for intelligence. All right, you and your family have excelled in the classroom or in the corporate world. Some of you, honestly, small town, right, we're known for money. You either come from old money or you have a thriving business and your family has done well and so you are known as a family that financially has been very successful. Some of you are known for beauty, whether it's those characteristic eyes or cheekbones or jaw lines, there's just some families that are more attractive than others, (laughs) if we're being honest. Some of you are known for humor. You have have that funny bone, and so does your brother or sister, and when they ask you, you say, well, I got it from my daddy. You're just known for humor. Some of you are known for generosity. It seems like every time anyone turns around, you or someone in your family is spending time giving to somebody else. Well, let me mention one on the other side. Self-centeredness. There are some families that are known for thinking that their families encompass all the other qualities that I just mentioned. And they spend a lot of time thinking about themselves and not so much thinking about others. Some of these things I mentioned are good, some of them are not good, but all of us are known for something. All of us are known for something. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, there's one quality and one trait that should separate you more than any other. And I don't even have to guess what that is because the passage that we're going to read today, Jesus tells us clear and plain. And that leads us to the big idea. And the big idea is this, as we open up Mark chapter 3. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who teaches us that all members of His family are identified through their obedience to the will of God. If you're a Christian The family characteristic that you should embody and be identified by as a member of the family of God is this, you obey God's will. And that's how they know you belong to God. And that's what we're going to walk through here today. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Grab the pew Bible in front of you or beside you. We're going to be on page 997 in your pew Bible. If you would stand at this time out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, and errant word. We are in Mark chapter 3, and again we are in verses 31 through 35. Hear God's word to us, starting in verse 31. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, we love you. And I can call you Father because of your Son. And we come to you today, Father, getting ready to celebrate the incarnation, the birth of your son as he became one of us. And as he became one of us, Father, you gave us an invitation to become a part of your family, not that we'll ever be divine ourselves, but that we can still call you Father and call Jesus our brother because of his great love, his perfect life, his sacrificial death and his supernatural resurrection, Father. So I just pray As we enter into your word and consider what it means here on Christmas Eve. Of all the family issues that we celebrate or that we struggle with. Father, let us celebrate right now in this hour that we're called to be a part of your family. And in that everyone in this room who is changed by the blood of Christ is brother and sister. Worshiping you. Let us worship together now as we consider your word. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name. And God's people said... Amen. A couple of weeks ago, as we walked through the beginning of Mark chapter 3, we said that the mission of Jesus Christ is twofold. There's two main reasons why Jesus Christ came as a human being. And right out of the scriptures, we said the first is to save the lost, and the second is to establish the kingdom. All right, the first one to save the lost, Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. What does that mean? That means when you are born, you're not born in light, you're born in darkness because we're all born with a sinful nature that has separated us from God and we're lost and we need to find light and we need to be saved. That's the first reason Jesus came. The second is to establish the kingdom of God that was talked about in that missions video that we watched a few minutes ago. It's not that God just saves you from hell so that you can be with your family in heaven. That's part of it. God wants to be the king of his creation and sit on the throne like he did in the very beginning before sin entered the Garden of Eden. And he's establishing a kingdom. And right now, it's a spiritual kingdom. For those who are Christian, God is on the throne of your heart. God's the boss of your life. Eventually, one day, the scriptures teach us that that spiritual reality is going to be a physical reality. The Bible says that heaven and earth will collide upon the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to receive a new body and live on a new earth if you're a Christian. And God will be on his throne and you will be living in a body that will be incapable of death or disease or pain. And you'll enjoy living in his kingdom for all of eternity. Well, of those two things that Jesus came to do, there's one aspect of the second part that's made possible by the first part. To be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to be saved. But once you are a part of the kingdom of God, it also means that you are part of the family of God. Stay there for a second and think about that. How many of you in this room, don't know, please no show of hands, have a family that you struggle with so much that sometimes you wish that you were born into a different one? you don't have that close relationship with brothers or sisters. Some of you never had a close relationship with mother or father. Some of you may have been adopted or gone through foster care, and you may not even know who your earthly parents are. And you've gone through this life looking at other families and being jealous and envious of them. You know, as a pastor, there are moments, I'll be honest with you, that I walk through the doors of this church and I see some amazing families in this place, and I rejoice on the one hand, that there are some good, godly, Christian, healthy families that love one another and love God, and yet there is there sometimes some jealousy that i got to be careful of and say, you know, I almost wish I had an upbringing like that. I wish my parents were that close. I wish they never divorced. I wish I was raised in a Christian home and came to know the Lord before I was 27 years old. But you know what stops me from sulking and getting into a bit of depression, wishing that I had something that I didn't? I'm a part of the family of God. And so are you, if you're a Christian. So that means two things to me. First thing it means to me is this. I get to call Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and my God, also my brother. I get to enjoy all the benefits of being a part of the the family of God. It does not mean that we're divine. We'll never be divine. Unfortunately, our Mormon friends would disagree with us, but the scriptures teach that we'll always be God's creation. However, we're invited to be a part of his family and call him father. And he will, we will be to him a child and he will love us as a father. A perfect father loves their child. The second thing is that if you're a Christian and you're part of the family of God, we're all in the family. So those families that I'm jealous of, I forget that I am their brother and I am their sister and I am a part of their family. And so I pray that you celebrate that this Christmas. And as we walk through the passage, meditate on that. For all that you wish that your family was. You have all these treasures and gifts offered to you as part of being the family of God. And that's something to think about this Christmas, and that's something to celebrate. So what I want to do in the last few minutes that we have left here is I want to walk through this passage, and I want to talk about three aspects of what it means to have membership in the family of God. The first of those three that I'd like to say is this. Number one, membership in the family of God is initiated through adoption not blood. Tell you what I mean. First, by looking down at the passage that we just read, look at verses 31 through 33 again. Here's what it says. And his mother, meaning Jesus's mother, Mary, and his brothers came and standing outside, they said they sent to him and called him and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, let me put this in context. We read a few weeks ago in the beginning of Mark chapter 3, here's what's happening. Jesus is healing and he's saving and changing lives over and over and over. He's doing all types of miracles and he's helping so many people and the crowds are following him everywhere to the point where it says in the beginning of Mark chapter 3, he didn't even get a chance to eat or sleep. And because he's doing all of this, his earthly family, his mother Mary and his brothers, they think he's crazy. They think he's lost his mind. They said, what are you doing? you got to sleep. You've got to eat. Why are you spending so much time with all the crowds? They did not even Mary herself, who had said, for those that read the Christmas story in the Sunday school lesson, she saw this beautiful baby in a manger and heard what the shepherds were saying and pondered in her heart what it meant that her son was the Messiah. And yet she herself did not fully understand Christ's mission. And so they send for him again. He's ministering to the crowds, and Mary and the brothers send to Jesus and say, Come to us, we want to talk with you. And people go inside where he's teaching and say, Hey, hey, Jesus, your mom's out there, your brothers are out there, they want to talk with you. And Jesus says this amazing statement Who wants to talk to me? Well, Mary does, your brothers do. And then he says, Well, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, the first time I read that years ago, I thought to myself, Is he belittling the importance of of earthly family? And the answer to that is no. Okay, we learn later on at the crucifixion of Christ, as he's hanging on the cross, he's worried about his mother. And he says to John, embrace your mother. And he says to Mary, embrace your son. And he expects John and the other apostles to look after his mother after he's gone. So it's not that Jesus is belittling Mary. He loves Mary. He's not belittling his brothers. He loves his brothers. But what he is saying is this. Being a part of the family of God is not about blood. It's about adoption. It's not about us seeking God. It's about God seeking us. That mission is God seeking us first and us responding to him second. And he adopts us as his children. And that's something that we need to be very careful of. Because, you know, as we look... church history, we learn that some of his relatives, his immediate family members, including his brother James, okay, the brothers in this passage would have been James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. James, who we learn in the book of Acts, becomes a leader in the Jerusalem council. He didn't even believe in Jesus during Jesus's earthly life. So while he's standing outside calling on Jesus to come, Jesus is saying, he may be my brother by blood, but you're really my brother if you believe in me and do the will of God. So we don't come into the family of God through blood. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter what it is that you've done throughout your life. You can't earn your way in. You can't be born into it. You need to be born again and come into the family of God through adoption. And here's what I want to say about adoption. A couple of quick things. First, adoption means that God seeks us before we seek Him. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4-5 through 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. He sent Jesus to save us so that He could adopt us into the family of God. Adoption also means we're not naturally born as God's children. Okay, this is a tough one, and I'm going to read this passage, and I'm going to explain this, and I need you to hear me clearly, because this is often misunderstood. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Here's what that means, and here's why the society that does not believe in Jesus hates this. Not all children are children of God. We're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. Now, here's what I believe. I believe God loves all of his creation. I do. I do not think that God has the same love for all of his creation that he does for his immediate family. All right? And I'll give you a perfect example. Let's say for those of you that have multiple children or grandchildren, let's say one of those grandchildren is playing in the street with his or her best friend. And a car is flying down the, the street. And you have just enough time to try to push one of them out of the way. You would want both of them to survive this. You have a, genu- a general love for both of them. You don't want to see any of those children harmed. But the love that you have for your own, it's just different. Is it not Well, God, I think God feels for us the same way. He has a general love for all of his creation. The scripture says, it is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to a knowledge of the truth. He desires for all of us to know him. And yet there is a covenant love. There is a special adoption that takes place when we come into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ, where the love that we have is a deeper love that he gives us. It's a more meaningful, more lasting, eternal love that he has for his children That's what it means to be adopted by God. If you're a Christian, celebrate that today. God has a love for you that I can't put into words. And if you know someone who's not a Christian, know that God loves them, but they'll never experience the fullness of His love if they don't hear the gospel and they can't respond to it in repentance and faith. That's really important. And the final part of adoption, I'd say adoption means that we've we've got nothing to brag about as God's children. We didn't do anything. Adoption is all about God and his love for us. We just respond to it in, in faith. It's all God's work. We didn't do anything to bring Jesus down from heaven. God sent him, born of a virgin, that he would come and live for us and die for us and be risen from the dead to save us. That's what adoption is. So again, number one, membership in the family of God is initiated through adoption, not blood. Number two, membership in the family of God is accepted through faith, not works. And that's important because as I get to point three, you could get confused if you don't get point two, okay? Membership in the family of God is accepted through faith, not works, okay? What do I mean by that? How do you become a member of the family of God? Not by your work, but by the faith in what Jesus did in his work. You have to believe That Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, came and lived perfectly the way that you should have lived. Died sacrificially, taking on the punishment that you deserved. Rose from the dead three days later, making a way from death to life. And then ascended to the Father, sending down the Holy Spirit, who if you're a Christian, comes in and opens your eyes that you may know the truth and that the truth would set you free. That's what it means to be a Christian, that you place your faith in Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to earn that. You cannot earn your salvation. You can only put your faith in the Lord Jesus who earned it for you. That's so important. And how do we believe? Well, it's a full body experience. First, you have to understand with your mind who it is that Jesus Christ is. You have to confess with your mouth. You have to believe in your hearts. And then you have to serve with your hands. And we'll get to that in a second. And that's the reason why the mission statement of this church is that at Cedar Street Baptist Church, we desire to be a church where heads, hearts, and hands are being transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if you believe, it's not just acknowledging a fact. Even the demons know that Jesus is the Son of God. But it's the head that moves to the heart, that moves to the hands, that shows we truly have placed our faith in the Lord. And here's what I believe. When you become a part of the spiritual family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You begin to have a closeness with that family that you may not even have with your earthly family who doesn't believe. And I'll tell you why. When you're a Christian and you've got the spirit of God living inside of you, you're all moving in one direction and you have one goal to honor and glorify God. Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six says this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. If you're a Christian, you have the same spirit I do. And that spirit of God inside of you wants to do the same thing. wants to see more people come to salvation, wants to see the kingdom of God built and the glory of God given what he deserves. So if we're Christian and we're in the same family, we're moving in the same direction. So naturally we're going to have the same heart and that heart's going to unite us together. I wish I could say this is not true, but I have a closeness with people in this room that I never have experienced with most of my blood family that does not know Jesus. All I can do is pray that they'll come to know the Lord and then we can start moving in the same direction together. And I would venture to say many of you in this room have family members that do not know the Lord. And so their life is heading in a thousand different directions. But when you're a Christian, your life's moving in the same direction. I really feel that in the year and a half that I've been the pastor here. We're not perfect. We've got our warts and wrinkles like everyone else. But people say, how's it going? And I say, you know, I just feel like our church is all moving in the same direction. I'm so, I'm so blessed to, to witness what God's doing, what he, what he did before I ever showed up here, and what He'll continue to do after I leave here, that He's moving us in the same direction of building His kingdom through the people of this church. And when you know that, and you have a closeness with people because of that, you'll learn to overlook petty differences. All right, there are some of you in this room who are visiting, and you are a member of another church. And I would say I hope that today just rekindles your flame to go back to your home church and serve them. There are some of you maybe that don't have a church and you're coming here for Christmas and you you know in your heart you just want to honor and worship God because it's Christmas and you believe in Jesus and the birth of his son but you haven't been in church in a long time and that's, listen, I'm so grateful that you're here. But I want you to listen closely. When you love God, you will love his family. And when you love his family, you don't get caught up in secondary issues. Now, I've been a member at several churches. I've lived all over the country. And what I'm when I'm the list of things that I'm going to share with you are literal reasons why people have left churches. People have left churches over the color of the carpet in their Sunday school room. People have left churches because not enough people said hi to them before or after service people have left churches because the pastor was preaching from a different English translation of the Bible. The people have left church because hymns were sang from a projector screen and not out of a book. People leave church because the choir should be wearing robes when they sing. That's silly. It's petty. It's it's as petty as the silly arguments that you have at the Christmas table with, with your relatives that you only see once a year for a very specific reason. Every time I watch Nash Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, I'm reminded of this. Right? I love it when they ask her to say grace. By the way, Grace died 30 years ago. The blessing. We're family, right? Families. Families are just all tangled up. But when you truly, truly love. God and his family, those petty differences are just that they're petty and they don't stop you from worshiping God and loving and serving each other. Amen. So we've said now membership in the family of God is initiated through adoption, not blood. It's accepted through faith and not works. And finally, as we round third, head for home here, number three, membership in the family of God is identified through obedience and not sin. Here's what I mean. Remember I said you have to know number two to know number three? You're not saved by works, you're saved by faith. But if you have faith, the only way the world's going to know it is by your works. It's by your obedience. If you're a Christian, I should know it, not by what you say, but by what you do. Period. Verses 34 through 35 at the end of the passage say this. And looking around at those who sat around him, Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. We, this summer, we went through the book of James. And probably the most famous passage in the book of James is James chapter 2, verse 26, which says, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That's the great paradox of our faith. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith in what Jesus did. Yet if we have faith in Jesus, it's going to show by our works. If you say you're a Christian, but you're not committed to serving in a local church and you're not committed to reading and learning his word, if you're not committed to going to him in prayer, if you're not committed to serving other people so that they'll know Jesus. How do we know you're a Christian? Because the spirit of God inside you desires for you to do those things. And I would say most people who don't do those things, their heart has never been changed. And they've never really become a Christian. And there are some who are Christian and they have such a conviction of the Holy Spirit that they're not doing what they should do that they don't have a peace. Do you have peace this Christmas? Are you where God wants you to be right now? I know this, nothing happens by accident in the kingdom of God. Every single person in this room right now is here because God intended for you to be here and hear his word. The question is how you going to respond. How are you going to respond? I just want to sum all this up in one sentence as we get ready to, uh, to pray out and, and uh, join our earthly families for a Christmas celebration. In one sentence, put this in your heart. Okay, put this in your heart and let this flower grow. Jesus says, a tree is always known by its fruit. So if you belong to his family tree, what type of fruit are you bearing today? You're here to celebrate Christmas because you say you're a believer in Jesus. And after the service is over, you're going to go home. And when you go home, next day is going to turn into next week. Next week is going to turn into next year pretty fast. And what I want to say is this. Do you really believe in that baby in a manger? Is that baby actually your Lord and Savior? Have you been saved by the blood of Jesus? And if so, have you given your life to serving him? What what I challenge you to do this Christmas Eve, okay, I've said this before to many different folks in our Sunday school classes. I think I said this on Sunday night, I've said it to our deacons. Imagine that, imagine that there's a scale, okay? And on negative ten is a non-believer, zero is an agnostic, one is someone who has faith in Jesus, and then ten is a mature Christian. Here's my call to all of you here today can you make a commitment to move a little further down the scale? If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you admit that you're skeptical about the Bible being the Word of God, I thank you for your honesty. What I would say is spend a little bit more time investigating on your own. Ask God to show you who He is and He will. And maybe if you're at negative 10 atheist, He'll move you to zero agnostic. And maybe if you're neutral towards God and you're here today, not knowing why you ended up here, maybe you need to place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you may not get another chance to do that. And maybe you are a Christian. You're at number one or number two, but your faith hasn't really grown. You haven't darkened the doors of a church in a while. Your Bible's collecting dust. You haven't prayed to God and you're trying to live life in your own strength. And God says, I love you. Stop trying to do it on your own. God wants you to move further down the scale. He wants you to commit to to serving in a church and lifting your needs up daily in prayer and trusting in the provision of God. We're all part of the family of God if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Family sticks together. And I call you as the member of my family, I challenge you to do the will of God this Christmas and to grow closer to the Lord until either we get to be with Him or He comes down here again to be with us. Let us pray. Father, again, we love you. I don't know if we can fully wrap our minds around the fact that we're part of your family, Father, but we are. That's going to be a big table to have Christmas dinner around one day. But I'm grateful that you saved us a seat, not because of what we've done, Father, but because of what you have done and our faith in the work of your Son. Father, we also see in your word here today that those who are truly your mother and your brother and your sister are those who do your will. So, Father, I pray a special prayer for everyone in this room. Would you make the will of their lives for the next week and the next month, would you make it clear what do you want us to do and give us the strength to be able to respond in repentance, faith, and obedience. Help us to be more committed to serving in our churches, the church, the bride of Christ. Help us to be more fervent in our prayer and in the reading of your word and in the serving of others, who need to hear this good news. Be with us this Christmas, Father. Draw us close to you and as the family of God close to each other. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen.